This is I Choose Life News and Views, sponsored by Indiana Right to Life and Right to Life of Northeast Indiana, committed to defending innocent human life for all people of all ages. Your hosts are Kathy Humbarger, Abigail Lorenzen, and Scott Kump. Welcome to I Choose Life News and Views. I'm Kathy Humbarger. I'm Abigail Lorenzen. And I'm Scott Kump. I Choose Life News and Views is produced by Bot Radio Network in Fort Wayne in cooperation with Indiana Right to Life as well as Right to Life of Northeast Indiana. We have a special guest in studio today. Her name is Audrey Germain. And she is one of our Life Defenders students. So we're going to ask her a couple questions about Life Defenders this summer, give people an idea of how that went down, and hopefully pique your curiosity for next year's Life Defenders. Audrey has not only been to our Life Defenders camp, but also to our bus trip that goes to D.C. for the National March for Life, which will be happening this year. We are planning on doing that. So COVID or no COVID, National March for Life plans are on. They may look slightly different, but you can count on that. So hi, Audrey. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. Love to. So you've been through our Life Defenders Case for Life 101. And then this year you took our Case for Life 201. So you've had Mike Spencer and you've had Seth Dreyer. Mm-hmm. And then you have also been on the bus trip. You went this past January to mm-hmm. D.C. with us. So you have sort of a nice rounding there of pro-life activism. Yes, absolutely. This year we had an extra excitement at Life Defenders in the debate. What did you think of that? The debate was interesting, very short, Um, (laughs) wasn't a lot to it. I think Seth Dreyer did a very good job. He presented his case very well. He used all of the facts that he had and he gave emotional appeal. He allowed us to use real life examples. He used a real life example and he did a wonderful job stating the case. And unfortunately, Aaron did not stick around to debate the case but he presented it very well. Yeah, I thought so too. If you didn't catch the debate and you're interested in um, watching it, it is posted up on Created Equals YouTube channel. Um, You can also find it linked on our Facebook page. This year too, you had some extra time with Seth because you were in Case for Life 201, which Seth teaches. So I bet it was interesting for you to see him do the formal debate or at least as much as the formal debate (laughs) as Aaron stuck around for and then actually have him for the Case for Life training. Absolutely. He stated everything very well. He gave us a basic rundown of human embryology, very like chapter one, how life begins. Yeah. He did a very good job explaining that. He used a lot of scientific facts. He used a lot of scientific terms as well. Uh, He basically taught us, you know, this is the science. This is how it's presented. This is how you can present it. And he also went on to describe the bodily autonomy argument, which a lot of people think is a very solid argument, but he poked a lot of holes in it and it kind of sank like a ship. So it's very interesting how we went from, oh, how do we, how do we argue this to how can we make them defend it? Right. How do we ask the questions that are necessary? So they need to defend their position rather than us always constantly being on the defense. Yeah, as I recall, Seth's class is really good for that. And this is something that people, if you've gone through a Christian apologetics course, like at your church, this probably sounds familiar too, that if you ask people questions, you start to tease out their thoughts. And so they have to keep answering your questions. It makes them listen to their own answers. And so you can have them chase down their own logic, which oftentimes gets you a lot farther than stating your own opinions, or in this case, stating your own viewpoints, um, which are based on facts, not necessarily opinions. But yeah, having that back and forth be question-based on our side 
allows them, not only that, but people like to come to their own conclusions. Absolutely. And so if you ask them questions, it allows them to come to their own conclusions versus you telling them and them being like, well, yeah, okay. And they walk away and they're sort of not very convinced because you just told them what they're supposed to think. Right. So you've taken your Life Defenders training because you were there last year with 101 with Mike Spencer. And you've done some extra extracurricular activities with it. Yeah. So I actually have an Instagram page. Essentially, all it does is it presents the facts and it makes the case for life. You mentioned that you don't bring your Christian faith into it a whole lot. Can you explain that to us? Yeah. So if someone has a faith background, they grew up in a Christian family, I absolutely bring faith into it. And I make it very clear, very a clear statement. You can't be Christian. You can't be pro-abortion. That scientifically does not work. That morally does not work. It's not based on Christianity. Abortion is not based on Christianity. I usually, if people don't have a faith background, if they don't, if they're atheist, if they don't really believe in a God, essentially what I do is I just present the facts and I leave them with that. Our case is still very solid, even without Christianity, but Mm -hmm. Christianity is like the icing on the cake for it. The faith aspect is icing on the cake, except for moralism. When it comes to moralism, we definitely need faith in it. Yeah, right. So moral code is based on the Christian moral code, Mm -hmm. but you can, and this is part of what Life Defenders teaches, you can argue for equality, human equality, based on philosophy, so based on logic, and then also on science. Absolutely. Um, And so if somebody doesn't have a faith background, you can definitely have a robust conversation with them without bringing religion into it necessarily. And I, this is a piece I love about our training. And I think this is probably a piece you're a fan of too, is that because God has natural revelation, so he created the universe, it follows his laws. So we can use science and logic all day long, and we're never going to be in conflict with the Bible, with his word, because it's going to line up there. And so it's a really cool way to use a tool without, you know, some people, as soon as you mention God, they'll back out of a conversation. Right. And so to be able to use natural revelation and then divine revelation where you can is really great. What inspired you? What did the process look like for starting that Instagram page? Because for a lot of people, social media these days is a dumpster fire. Yeah, I had always been pro-life. My family raised me to believe that all human life is valuable. And I solidified that belief. And I said, I need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. When I was presented with the pictures of the abortion victims, and I saw the harm that it did not just to the baby, but to the mothers as well. I sat back and I thought to myself, I said, why aren't we having more of an outcry for this? Why aren't we doing anything more about this? And essentially, I felt so stirred. I felt so motivated that I needed to do something about it. Even though I am only 18, I still needed to do something about it. And even though I'm young and I might not have as much life experience, I still have life experience and Mm -hmm. that needs to be shared. Yeah, definitely. Plus you've got your training. Absolutely. Which I think has equipped you well. So you started this Instagram profile as a public profile, I'm guessing, so that people can find it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. And so people just start up conversations with you? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people comment on the photos that I post and they say, oh, this isn't factual. This isn't based on evidence. And I link them to the study and I say, if you have a problem with the study, go ahead and talk to the researchers that performed this study. I use a lot of unbiased sources. Um, sometimes I even use Planned Parenthood's own sources. And, and I say, these are what the numbers reflect. Basic math, basic human embryology, basic science. Yeah. And I make it, I put it in layman's terms and I say, this is what you're supporting. 
is this correct in your opinion? Yeah. So I essentially kind of turn it around. I state the facts and I say, what do you think about these facts? And a lot of people kind of go silent. You know, they, yeah. they don't want to admit, okay, yeah, this is what I stand for because it would ultimately ruin their reputation. Yeah. So it's one of those important things where we have to state the facts. And that's what I do on my profile, state the facts. And I let people decide for themselves. I can't change hearts. And that's something that God can do. And it's really important that I putting the pebble in the shoe, essentially. Yeah. yeah. So it's very important that I put the pebble in the shoe so that way God can ultimately move their hearts. Yeah. I'm guessing too, for a lot of people, those conversations are hard because we don't always see the end result. Right. And sometimes it can become discouraging when you can't see the end result because you say, well, if I'm not really making a difference, then why am I doing this? Do you have the feeling ever? Occasionally, yeah. I had a recent conversation with a woman who was sexually assaulted and she was impregnated at 11. And it was so heartbreaking because she wasn't the only one in her family that had an abortion. And it was so heartbreaking. I just broke down in tears. Yeah. I feel bad, not just for the baby that was lost in both of those cases. I felt bad for her. Right. Because under those circumstances, she felt that was her only choice. She felt that was the only option. Yeah. And it's not okay that women are pressured to do this. And studies have shown that women are pressured half of the time to do this. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking. It's gut-wrenching. But it's very important that we get the message across. Yeah. So, Audrey, Life Defenders has made a difference for you. Absolutely. And you are in college, heading to college. I'm actually staying in the area, so I'm going to be working. But yeah. So you're college age. Yeah, college age, roughly. (laughs) Entering the workforce, which is great. Are Life Defenders programs open to high school and college students? Yes, they are. Absolutely. And we have mostly high schoolers, but... Do you think college students, it's worth their time? It's at their intellectual level? Because I think sometimes college students, when they see that it's for high school and college, they're like, oh, it's going to be dumbed down for the high schoolers. Because we all know high schoolers are way less intelligent than college people. Right. (laughs) Um, What would you say to that? Do you think it's heightened enough that college students would be challenged in it? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. The science is very, very much there. He does express a lot of things in layman's terms. But if you do need the extra training, if you want the extra, you know, go to the extra step, you can do the extra research for it and bring it up to a college level. But absolutely. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was, you know, too old to be there. He made it very clear. He stated a lot of things. uh, He being Seth Dreyer stated a lot of things very clearly And he made it so that way we were all on an intellectual, even playing field. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very nice. I didn't feel inferior. I didn't feel superior at all. I felt as though I belonged there. Good. I found too that a lot of times with, especially you mentioned that Seth started with an embryo, a quick embryology lesson, Mm -hmm. um, that even people who have been through like anatomy classes don't know early human embryology. Right. I mean, all the high school presentations that I do, I even sat down with one of the teachers at one of our local high schoolers one time and I said, show me the biology book because she was the biology teacher. Mm -hmm. And I said, where do you guys talk about human embryology? And we flipped through the entire book. I mean, it was like a 600 page book and there was nothing in there. Exactly. And so if you don't get it in high school and then you're in college and you're not a science major in college, there's chance that you've never gotten even just the science. I mean, the very basics of human life piece that exactly. we talk about at Life Defenders, let alone the in-depth arguments for the case for life. Yeah, that's a very huge portion. A lot of people have never cracked open an embryology book. There are <laughs> PDFs online. I've referenced one a lot. It's like a 12th edition embryology textbook that's very standard. It's taught in a lot of science 
and embryology med schools. And it's just a very basic embryology. It's the introduction to human embryology. It's very standard. You find it at a lot of universities, especially people who are majoring in embryology or any science class. And it states in the very first page of the actual thing that a zygote embryo is considered to be the first eight weeks of human development. Right. And yep. it says so in that textbook. Yeah, you've got human life right from the start. Absolutely. What was your favorite part of Life Defenders? That's a really tough question. I loved all of it. I love the one-on-one -on -one questions that you can do with such monumental pro-life people. It's very important that we ask questions. Well, how do we argue this? Or how do we make the case for this? Some people play devil's advocate and say, well, what if someone who is pro-abortion says this? Right. A lot of people don't know how to argue that. And they answer the questions very matter-of-factly. They say, this is how you argue it. These are the loopholes that they'll try and do. And this is how essentially you defeat those loopholes. And it's very informative. It's very educational. And it's important to understand the, you know, that not every argument is straightforward. You have the answer. That's that. The right. argument's done. Yeah. And that's what they address very much at Life Defenders. They basically state, here are the loopholes that people are going to try and do. This is how you stop them from, you know, looping the hole. Yeah. <laughs> so Jumping through that. Loophole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So our trainers at Life Defenders, we've mentioned Mike Spencer, who does 101. Seth Jarrett mm -hmm. does our 201. Scott Klusendorf does our 301. So next year, that's the course that you'll be in. Yep. And all three of those are prolific voices mm -hmm. in the U.S. for the pro-life movement. So definitely, we've got the big guns in to teach it. If you are not high school or college age and you're interested in Life Defenders training, we do have it for you as well. We host Life Defenders workshops that are just Saturday morning workshops throughout Northeast Indiana. And there's some also in Northwest Indiana hosted by Right to Life of Michiana. They just had one in August, actually. So you can definitely check out our website, ichoselife.org, and see when the next one is coming up. And if you don't see one coming up, you can always give our office a call and we'll connect you with a training that's happening in your area or help you set one up because that's a possibility too. So thanks, Audrey, for joining us. Glad that you got a lot out of Life Defenders and that that has allowed you to be effective on social media, helping some of the culture change, helping individuals really think about what they're advocating for. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. The next election is right around the corner. This is Scott Kump with Zach Rogers. And today on I Choose Life News and Views, we're not going to tell you who to vote for, but we might be able to provide you some guidelines on what decisions to make regarding voting. Zach, people, a lot of times by this time in the game, they think, well, it's all over anyway, but that's not necessarily the case, is it? That is absolutely right. And I'll tell you, every single vote matters. I've got a couple of stories, some from personal experience and some just from being able to watch the results as they come in. So when I say every vote matters, I'll tell you two years ago in Zanesville, which actually is split between Wells County and Allen County, mm -hmm. The votes came in, and in Wells County, candidate A had a one-vote lead. When Allen County results came in, the candidate B actually had a one-vote lead, which mm -hmm. means they tied. 
So when I say one vote in your vote matters, I'm very serious because that was a tie. And it had to go to the city council to break the tie, right? Exactly. And you think about it, one of those candidates was the incumbent. So guess who that person was going to vote for Mm -hmm. on the tie break? (laughs) So it really did make a difference. Previous to my current position, I dealt with a lot of campaign management, and so I helped run a campaign in Bluffton for a county council position, and the incumbent had been in there for at least two decades, but a Republican had not won that seat for almost five decades that we know of. That's Mm -hmm. how far back those results went. And... Come election night, as the results started coming in, it was really, really close, and we ended up winning by six votes. Mm. So again, when people think, well, my vote doesn't matter, how crazy is it to think that had six of those people or seven of those people stayed home, that candidate would not have won? It is so important to vote because of the issues that we deal with. On this program, we talk about a lot about the life issue, and that affects every level of government. It sure does. And when you think about all of the uh, results that places like Right to Life of Northeast Indiana has been able to get accomplished, it's because we've got friends at all levels of the government. Pro-lifers get accused of being single issue voters. Well, the life issue, it touches everything. Are you concerned about the economy? Well, the same people who tend to want to tax you to death and spend money on all kinds of wild programs are the same people who want to use tax money for abortion. So that's how it affects the economy. You want to talk about military? Well, what about abortions in military facilities? You know, it goes on and on. For sure. And you think about even further what all of those babies would have grown up to do, would have contributed to the economy, contributed to our lives. It's far, far reaching the impact of the life issue. And the people on the other side of the aisle, so to speak, want to claim that they're so concerned about women's health, issues like sexual assault, racism, and accuse us of not caring about those. Well, if you support Planned Parenthood or the abortion industry in general or defend them, stop pretending to care about those issues. Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry, they're the ones targeting minorities for death. You know, they are the ones who cover up sexual assault. They are the ones who endanger women's health. Yeah. And even on top of that, you think about all of those other impacts on women and men that abortion has. There are so many more issues. And if you can't get the life issue right, then how are you going to get all of those other things right? And it's not that we don't care about all of those issues. We absolutely do. And we want a foundation and programs out there to support women and men and babies in all aspects. But those babies have to be able to be born and have a life before you can worry about those things. That's true. Zach, let's get down to the nitty gritty. I mean, you have some information on where people can go to find out where to vote and that sort of thing. Absolutely. So the first thing that people need to know and have their plan is when and where to vote. So we are currently voting right now in early vote and absentee vote. And if people go to in.gov, that is the normal Indiana government website, 
They just need to click on election info and voting location. They'll enter their address in and it'll show all of the options for when and where they can vote. Now, November 3rd is definitely coming up quick and people can vote on election day, but they can vote early too. And one thing that's pretty interesting, in my opinion, is the numbers behind what is going on right now in early voting. So to give you an idea, 983,000 people have voted so far as of this morning when we're recording. That is roughly 50,000 more than did in 2016. Wow. So we are already passed with almost two weeks to go, the total of 2016 early vote. Now, if somebody's interested in early voting, what do they do? It's really very similar to the same process. You've got the absentee ballot process, but you've also got the in-person absentee or early vote. And that's usually done at the courthouse in places like Wells County, where they actually have vote centers. A person can go to any of the vote centers and vote. One of the things we want to point out, if you're voting in person, either early voting or on election day, and you're concerned about COVID, there are procedures in place to keep you safe and keep you healthy. You don't need to worry that you're going to go vote and you're going to spread the disease or catch the disease or that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. There are masks required. And in the places that you have the voting machines, you actually have to put on a glove. So, I mean, it's very detailed when it comes to making sure everyone is safe during that day. So people are wondering, well, who do I vote for? Who really stands for those principles for life? If you live in the, what is it, a seven county region of uh, Northeast Indiana, you guys did candidate surveys. Exactly. And so on our website, ichooselife.org, you can go on there and see our voters guides, our survey responses, and the PACS endorsements. And uh, people are saying, well, I live in South Bend. I live in Indianapolis. I live (laughs) wherever. So I'm out of luck. No, you're not. No. You can go to Indiana Right to Life. Exactly. You can go to the IRTL website and you can actually see all of those surveys no matter where you're at in Indiana. Zach, you gave some of the local numbers for early voting. What about nationally? Yeah. So that is also fascinating because in Indiana, to give you an idea, also 2.8 million voters voted on election day in 2016. Now, in the United States, so far, early voting as of this morning, 89% uh, is what we're at of the 2016 numbers. Hmm. 42.1 million people have voted in the United States already with 10, 11 days to go. That's interesting. And not all of those people, folks, are voting the way that you would necessarily vote. So whether you do it early or on Election Day, you need to get out and do it. And the the other thing it's hard to predict with these is, will you have bigger crowds with early voting or with, on the day of election? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we we just don't know the science behind who is voting and when and where and why is just not that accurate. Hmm. I think we saw that in 2016. I think we'll see that again in 2020. We just don't know. Are most of those 42 million people folks that would normally vote on election day and they're scared for COVID? They're really super enthusiastic about their vote. We don't know what the answer is. We won't know till election day. 
I'm not a prognosticator, but we hear about these polls that say, well, Donald Trump is trailing. And I keep wanting to ask, were those the same polls that said he was trailing in 2016? <laughs> exactly. So some polls are more accurate than others, but don't assume an outcome based on a pundit. <laughs> right. And you think about the sheer numbers in some of our larger states, California, and New York, where they are just kind of running up the numbers on the liberal or the Democrat vote. But you look at all of the states that may be up for grabs, they're all really, really close. Mm. Most of them even within the margin of error for their polling. So I think no one really has a clue as to what the result (laughs) will be on Election Day. Yeah. And we always say this is the most important election we've (laughs) ever had. And I think it's always true. I mean, the stakes keep getting raised. You know, we've seen it with. The recent Supreme Court nomination fight, which is still ongoing as we record this. I want to say that we're recording this on Thursday morning, October the 22nd. You know, things can change. They sure can. Uh, But it is important. I mean, the issues that we're dealing with are critical. Yeah. And I think about it. This election, you're right. We always say this election's the most consequential, the most important in our lifetime. But I don't think you could have a more stark contrast between one side fighting for capitalism and the the rising tide lifting all boats side of things yeah. and the other side being socialism and bringing everybody's boat down to being equal at the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Well, and those low boat types are the ones that want to uh, eliminate people at both ends of life as well, or that's the way it tends to be. Yeah, for sure, because they're not contributing enough to raise or lower other people's boats, right? (laughs) You know, I'm sure we're going to get that that analogy mixed up at some point here. Again, that's another way that all these things are tied. You know, we talk about healthcare is a big issue and people want universal healthcare. And usually the push for universal healthcare can lead from to anything from euthanasia, in some cases, forced abortions. For sure. Yeah. And you think about all of those decisions on how we move those balls forward all can be impacted from the court. And you think of how many judges President Trump has been able to put on the bench. And if Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed on Monday, as we suspect she will be, then you've still got potentially a couple more Supreme Court justices (laughs) that could leave during a second term of President Trump. So when people think that, hey, let's get Amy Coney Barrett on the bench and then we're good, Oh, no. There's at least one or two more Supreme Court justices that could retire in the next four years. And as long as we're talking about courts, I just want to say real quick, we talk a lot about the Supreme Court. There are a lot of cases and a lot of issues that never quite get to that high court. So the circuit courts, every level is important, not just the Supreme Court. For sure. And in fact, President Trump made a comment on his debate night about President Obama and Vice President Biden leaving open, I believe it was 150 court appointed judges. And I kept thinking, wow, you think of the impact that those 150 folks are making on the more constitutional constructionist side, as opposed to the more liberal 
legislate from the bench side of things. So it's important to vote. Go to in.gov to find out where your polling place is. Go to ichooselife.org or irtl.org, depending on where you live, to find out those candidate surveys and what the candidates stand for and get out and vote. You've been listening to I Choose Life News and Views. If you have questions about this program or if you'd like to support the fight for life, please call 260-471-1849 or go to ichooselife.org because without the right to life, no other rights matter.